Hmm. If only Amy knew somebody that dealt with technology. Oh, wait. No way. I've learned through sad experience that there's nothing worse than a room of engineers trying to fix like a Google Hangout. This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A., Bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jammer link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directives. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code JavaScriptJabber, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 178 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have Jameson Dance. Hello friends. Amy Knight. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. If you missed the Angular Remote Comp tickets, it is not too late. I have the videos. They will be released. You can buy after-the-fact tickets for a little less than the regular price tickets, and then you can get into the forum and watch the videos. And I'm also going to be setting up some webinars with some of the talks that I didn't accept for the conference because they were really good proposals. So anyway, I'm super excited for that. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to just go to the webinars, I'm going to charge separately for those from the regular conference tickets, but conference tickets holders are probably going to get a really good discount on that. I haven't quite set those prices yet. So keep an eye out. Uh, We have a special guest this week and that's Mark Grabanski. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Hello. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. I'm Mark, long-time uh, user interface developer, created the jQuery UI day picker and plugins before jQuery was even you know in existence. And I've been a really long-time fan of the show. I've probably listened to at least 60, 70 of these and uh, you know, super excited to be on the show and uh, obviously supporting the show by sponsoring. <laughs> yeah, so. we appreciate that. I also have to say that the date picker was the only reason I ever installed that jQuery UI most of the time. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say, that that's the reason they use jQuery UI, is that plugin. So it's kind of a monster, it's kind of a beast, but it has every option you'd ever need. Do you just like hate it now because you've spent so much time on it, or do you love it still? 
Actually, it's funny because every time I like log into, you know, my gym website or, you know, use a travel site or something, it's like, oh, there's the date picker, you know, signing some documents for the right signature or whatever, you know, the date picker is like always there. That's cool. <laughs> like everything I use. So it's just fun to see. I mean, I would love to create a new version of it, but, you know, kind of onto other things right now. So it's like Mark's following himself around across the Internet. <laughs> it is fun and then uh nowadays you're doing front end masters which is kind of an online training website do you want to kind of explain the idea behind it yeah sure uh to give you a tiny bit of backstory i mean basically you know i've experimented with a lot of formats of education so just trying lots and lots of different things trying to get really my message across the things that are in my head you know teaching svg and teaching you know jQuery back in the day and teaching you know all sorts of stuff so you know, I spoke at 50, 60 different conferences and, you know, just try to figure that whole speaking end of things out. And, you know, that was great. And then I was like, hey, I can run better conferences. And so I just ran like five or six conferences. And one was at, you know, Google headquarters of 250 people. And, you know, it's a lot of fun run running conferences, but I just never felt, you know, fulfilled because conferences are sort of like, you know, boom, pow, you know, flash, like, here's this cool stuff, right? But it's not really, you know, it's like Yehuda Katz was on stage, you know, at one of my conferences and, you know, Alex Russell and all these guys, you know, that I look up to. And it's like, well, I want to do that. Like Yehuda was talking about data driven UIs and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. OK, how do I do it? You know, and so that kind of led me to, you know, I created like a seven hour screencast course kind of teaching what I knew. And uh, I just didn't enjoy, you know, talking to myself, basically you know, to my computer in my basement. And I know a lot of people can really do that well, but it wasn't something that I enjoyed. So it just started running workshops and speaking, you know, I taught like the first series of front end masters, which was just a workshop series. It was like six workshops. And then I invited kind of domain experts in each of the topics to speak in the afternoons. And so it was six of us, you know, I had to mornings, they taught the afternoons and, be, you know, it sold out. So people were like, I want the videos. And so we, you know, I went through just trying to figure out how like to make an enjoyable experience out of live, you know, workshops. And, you know, it's just been iterating on that. You know, people were like, oh, I want to participate in these things live online. So I was like, okay, here we go. Let's set up live streaming. And I talked to like, you know, live stream guy, right? And he's like, so you want to build a TV studio? <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. So we just, uh, you know, just keep iterating on things, making things better. And now, um, since we have the live stream, it's awesome because there's, you know, over a hundred people online. They're chatting, asking questions, and we have a moderator that's watching the chat rooms, making sure that their questions get asked to the teachers. And these are like all day sessions, 15 people in person, over a hundred online. And, uh, you know, there's the teacher just loves teaching the audience. Just like, uh, like I said, if front of masters existed where I could just go somewhere and teach for a day. Um, and have those videos broadcast to tens of thousands of developers, I would have just done it myself, you know, but because it doesn't exist, I uh, just keep iterating on it. And obviously, it's, it's formed into a nice built business. So yeah. So I spend a lot of time on Twitch TV. And I'm really interested in the phenomenon of live streaming and participating with an audience and stuff. Um, I have never thought about it in a, like a technical standpoint, though. It's usually just people playing video games and like chatting with their audience. Yeah, I love Twitch. I watch it too. So usually when people do it on Twitch, they're just kind of focused on their game or whatever they're doing. And every once in a while, they'll just kind of take a break and check chat and participate in it a little bit. 
how do you balance uh, teaching with keeping up with all the live stream viewers and making sure you're not kind of leaving them behind or questions are getting lost or things like that? Yeah, so we kind of prep the teachers ahead of time to make sure that all of the code is kind of easily accessible. So that solves like a big part of the problem, which is like, do the people online uh, have access to the code and everything? And then the second part, which is what you're kind of talking about, which is like all these people chatting and everything. We have a moderator that their job is just that, right? Their whole job is just that. So if the teacher wants to glance and look at the chat room, we have it up all day. But the moderator just, it's their responsibility to make sure all the questions get asked to the teacher. And then also, you know, these are workshops. So people are actually working through the code. Uh, so we kind of cut the camera and the teacher can talk, you know, directly to the online students the entire work time. And so a lot of the questions that come up and break, they'll kind of reiterate once we get back to the podium. So that's kind of how that works. Have you done any like front end masters plays develop a JavaScript application where everyone just like types a letter and you try to make it compile into valid JavaScript? Kind of like Twitch plays Pokemon, but <laughs> Twitch for plays Pokemon. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is a cool idea. I've thought about some really cool live streaming ideas that we can do, but yeah, this is a format that works really well. Um, so we're just kind of scaling it. So how big do you think it can scale to? You said you have a hundred people. About is that kind of your biggest class so far? Yeah, I typically try to keep it to 15 people in person and 100 online or 120, basically, because I find that that's a great mix of, you know, in-person questions versus online questions. We've had, you know, where it's 35 people in person and it's just like the in-person room just completely dominates because they're just constantly asking questions and the online people feel like they can't get an edgewise in, right? When, you know, they paid for a ticket and they're, they're there to get their questions answered as well. And with more than 120 people, so we've gone up to like 200, it's just the chat room just gets way too noisy. And, you know, we'd have to really invest in, you know, moderation abilities and stuff like that to be able to scale, you know, over 100. But we just find that like 100, 120 online is a great mix with uh, 15 people in person between, you know, in-person people feeling like they get to ask their questions and online people being able to ask their questions and everybody, you know, is happy and gets their questions answered with that kind of ratio. So we've played around with that a lot. I know that sure. you record these sessions or workshops in Minnesota. Yeah. And do you have a lot of people actually travel in for that or are they mostly local folks that want to show yeah, up for these? Because it's only 15 people, it's pretty easy to that, get that from the local, you know, the local audience. But we have had people from, you know, Amsterdam and Atlanta, you know, around the U.S. and around the world, you know, fly in. So it does happen. It's just not, you know, exactly our focus. If that makes sense. And don't knock Minnesota. Minnesota is rad and everyone <laughs> should fly into Minnesota from all over the earth. Because it's amazing. Yeah, it is pretty fun. So, except maybe like in the winter. In the winter, <laughs> it's it sucks. Just, yeah. <laughs> like from November to March. No, it's yeah. only twenty below. Maybe a couple weeks of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to be from up there. I don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, those months get really rough for sure. Everybody's all depressed, hanging their heads, talking about how the weather is bad. But 
I had a question because your format is, you know, very similar to kind of my background into programming and kind of how I learned. Like originally, I was learning in a vacuum by myself and then went to a boot camp. So I was around other people. Do you think that that format kind of increases like the value people get out of it because they have like a shorter feedback cycle? They can ask questions and they can see that the people around them are having similar questions. Yeah, I mean, I. I'm obviously, you know, biased. <laughs> this is the format that I landed on that I like personally to participate in, but also to watch. So I realized that it doesn't work for everyone, but it works enough where, you know, especially with the videos now, like we have some of the most popular programming courses, you know, in the world that have uh, been recreated in this format. So it clearly works for a lot of people. <laughs> I can imagine too, like for the instructors, I'm curious your thoughts, like for them, it's a shorter feedback cycle. So if they're teaching something and, you know, they give this course at multiple different events, you know, it's a lot easier for them to get feedback on to like, maybe they didn't cover one topic in enough depth or oh yeah, they, yeah. They, they went too far deep into something else and yep. this way they get like immediate feedback and they yeah. can Exactly. With with the online students, they're going to complain right away if they, you know, the, when are we going to get into real application development? You know, I haven't put my hands on code, uh, you know, in 30 minutes. So it's like they will complain in the chat room. They'll complain, you know, over email. And it's not a bad thing, right? So complaints are great because it gets you back on the right page or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's cool because like Chris Mather, like he did the senior work. He's done it a ton. And he's like, it's amazing. Like, Having the in-person audience and the online audience, he's like, I just kind of, even how I phrase things, you know, throughout the day, whereas, you know, it's just because it's a big stage at this point. I mean, you're talking to 115 people in the room or whatever and online, but, you know, really it's tens of thousands of developers because we not only publish on our own site, but then through partners. And so really we reach kind of the biggest, uh, widest and, you know, really the deepest, uh, the audience in, you know, programming. So it's kind of a big stage to be on, you know? I imagine too, like they say, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And in that kind of format, as opposed to like somewhere where you're recording these lessons without any feedback, you really need to know what you're talking about because you're going to open up the discussion to questions that anybody may have. Whereas before you're just kind of like reading off of the script. So yeah, I imagine I you'll be able to learn more that way too. Yeah, especially for the teachers, it's a great experience. I mean, screencasts are great because they can be a little bit tighter and that kind of thing where you are scripted. So you can, you know, sort of pack more into a shorter period of time. But yeah, I mean, those micro adjustments throughout the day, as well as like when I was doing screencasts, I actually sent out like five iterations, you know, to get that feedback, you know, embedded in the in the actual content where, you know, I don't think a lot of people actually do that. So yeah, this is a good way to get people's questions and their feedback right into the actual format. So at this point, you've done several of these workshops. How do you advise your teachers as far as structuring the course or structuring the workshop so that it's going to be the kind of thing that your audience actually wants to participate in? I mean, we've done about 50 of them now. So it's pretty clear from either watching other teachers in the past or even talking with other teachers kind of how this all goes about. But it's basically like a normal workshop where you have, you know, kind of the general cadence I tell teachers is 20 to 30 minutes of lecture, you know, less if you have less material to go over or more if you have a deeper concept. 
And then, you know, typically 15 to 20 minutes of work time. And then in that work time is where a lot of the questions kind of get asked by the students as they're working through the material. And then you as a teacher go and actually walk through the solution and then answer people's questions along the way, as well as bringing out, you know, any cool questions that came out during the work time. You reiterating them and going through, you know, those common questions and common concerns. So that kind of cadence of like, a little bit of lecture, a little bit of exercise, and then, you know, walking through the solution and answering questions along the way is kind of how we format it. And that's pretty, I mean, <laughs> I think that's pretty solid, like as far as how a workshop would go, you know? So I want to ask a little bit more about the online versus in-person thing. There's something about being online changes how people interact a lot, and it can be for the better. And sometimes it can be for the worse too. Like people will just say, awful, horrible things online that they never would in person. Have you had any any problems with that? Or have you had any other ways in which the online participants have helped beyond just kind of being more blunt about when they feel like things are getting boring? Yeah, I think it's generally good. I mean, the only kind of really bad feedback is like when the uh, teacher doesn't give the right prerequisites. So like early on, like someone... <laughs> It's like, it feels like I'm in the deep end and, you know, I can't swim and get out or something like that to one of the workshops because, like, they started off way too advanced, you know, assuming ESX, assuming React, you know, or whatever framework. And that's happened a few times where it's like prerequisites are kind of the big deal now where it's like, you need to have at least (laughs) this amount of, you know, knowledge coming in. And so those are a lot of times the biggest kind of detractors for the audience is they didn't come in prepared with the right skill sets. But generally, because we're focused on this intermediate to advanced audience, I guess, I feel like the audience is actually really great because we kind of appeal to that sort of more hardcore audience. And, you know, they kind of understand, you know, a lot of them have participated in a lot of our workshops before. So I don't know what part of the sure. question. So they're friendly. Answer. Yeah, they're they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're friendly. Yeah, they're friendly and awesome <laughs> most of the yeah. time. Yeah, cool. I found in my experience, like being in a group like that, learning with each other, you kind of, I don't know, it starts off as like a competition. Everybody wants to prove who's smartest by asking questions and doing certain things, but then by the end, everybody's kind of working together and helping each other out. Yeah, you'll see in the chat room, people are constantly sharing, you know, cool links and articles and stuff that kind of go along with the uh, the workshop. So I also am curious, how far in advance do you wind up booking your workshops? Uh, So right now we have, let's see, so it is September. uh, So we have like three in October, four in November, and then I think like three or four in December, or three in December. So generally keep it to under three to five months, but usually it's two or three months. And at this point, it's like way too many people that want to do the workshops, then, you know, I can really accommodate. So it's just like, I'm actually not actively going after teachers at this point. They're just kind of referring each other and, and the same teachers coming back and that kind of thing. So it's pretty exciting, but at the same time, a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> we ran like 30 workshops already this year. So yeah, I'm like, okay, you... I'm, I'm kind of done, <laughs> but, but we have like 10, 15 more to run. How do you scale this? You, you talked a little bit about kind of scaling the classroom sizes and you feel like you found a good size, but... Yeah, how when you, I said how do you scale the number of classes you do? Yeah, when I said scale, I mostly mean like distribution, like reaching more people with the higher quality content. 
So, I mean, we could open a couple of workshops, like say, I've thought about it in like Europe and Australia or, you know, San Francisco or something like that and have people kind of head up those locations. But yeah, I mean, you can only have one event in one center at one time. So it's not like we can run, you know, 10 events at the same time or whatever. So it's mostly about scaling the distribution, like reaching more people, uh, making our content, you know, higher quality, higher bar for quality and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, 50 workshops in one center in a year is kind of like a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it's like one a week. Do you see education online in general kind of going this direction where it's going to become more of these workshops or do you see it heading more toward no. <laughs> sort of the webinar where it's a shorter form of the live format or uh, yeah, the online I mean, courses? I mean, we, we see all kinds of stuff. Yeah. E-learning is super exciting right now, obviously. There's lots of people experimenting with lots of different formats. I love like, you know, some of the interactive stuff like Code School and some of the short form stuff like Egghead. You know, it's it's really, really awesome to see like, oh, and then like there's Code Combat, you know, coding games in the browser and all this kind of stuff. So all of that's really cool. The thing that was missing for me personally was just, you know, being able to ask questions of somebody who has a lot of experience, you know, deep level experience. And I don't know how to do that other than this workshop format. Um, where, you know, they're actually in person in the room with other people. If you do it just purely online, it's kind of a sh hollow, it feels like a hollow experience because you don't actually see the faces of the people. You don't actually get to talk with them and shake their hand and that kind of stuff. Oh, the no Node School stuff is really cool too, right? Where they have interactive sort of workshops that are supplemented by these, you know, sort of interactive courses and that kind of stuff. So I think that I'm just really excited about all the different, you know, formats and clearly like some formats work really well and this has been actually completely painful to birth like the first two and a half years were not so fun but i felt like this is a format that i really wanted to nail down and i think we've done that i, I want to talk a little bit about the business model i mean we've talked a bit about the pricing and you know people can get in on the courses that are coming up and buy tickets but uh, you also you said you make money by for example, you sell memberships to get access to all of the videos. You also have partners that I'm assuming are paying you for access to the workshops. How does all of that break down business-wise as far as keeping the business doors open and you know, yeah, yeah. paying you and stuff like that? Yeah, so my philosophy has always been to reach the most amount of people um, without you know going broke, right? So that's always <laughs> been my philosophy. I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but it's true, like... We do price kind of on the higher end for the subscription. So it's like $39 a month or $390 a year to get access to like all of the videos. It's sort of everything that we've recorded and, and finalized on the platform. But then we also do licensing and licensing to platforms like Pluralsight. So like right now we have the top five cores there and usually we're sort of around the top 100 with at least like five to seven courses and the rest of our courses do pretty well on site. We give them about like two thirds of our library and then they give us a licensing feedback. And then we're doing that. We just signed a deal with O'Reilly, which is similar, the same kind of thing where it's like, we'll be on O'Reilly.com and Safari online. Um, and we'll give them, you know, roughly the same amount of our library and then keep some exclusive to our site. So our members, you know, get first dibs on everything, our direct members. And then, 
Yeah, so licensing, we get to reach, you know, a ton of people. We're on uh, Udemy as well with 19 courses. And then uh, we're launching a few more. But pretty much we have all of the big video distributors as partners, and they give us a certain percentage. And then obviously our direct subscriptions. So we make basically all of our video on or all of our money on video. And the ticket sales is really just, you know, to supplement the cost of creating each course. And also it gives us kind of a indicator of how popular something's going to be, right? So if we don't sell a ton of tickets, we know that that course isn't going to be, you know, super hot. But if we sell out, you know, in a week or two, then that course is going to be pretty hot and we better, you know, push that, you know, focus on pushing that out the door and making sure that it's ultra, you know, edited well and polished because, you know, it's going to be our primary moneymaker. So what's selling hot right now? Well, a lot of our advanced fundamental type stuff. So like we have Kyle Simpson has like an advanced fundamentals of JavaScript. So really, really diving deep into like how the JavaScript compiler kind of interprets, you know, scope and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, your Angular and React and, you know, sort of framework type stuff. But honestly, our bread and butter is really the deep fundamentals where some of that stuff is like really difficult to find out there, like really deep fundamentals and, you know, like hardcore functional programming, anything to do with like functional programming. And uh, Jaffer Hussein, who was just recently on the show, he has like a two day, he was out here for two days teaching, you know, functional reactive programming, uh, you know, with the observable pattern and stuff like that, how Netflix builds interfaces. So like stuff like that, where, you know, it's sort of pushing the edge or, you know, experienced people who have written large Angular React apps, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess that's hot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff here too, as far as, you know, Angular, CSS3, um, you know, there are a bunch of things here that I'd like to learn a little bit more about. I'm curious, though, uh, as far as your technical setup, when you uh, stream it out to your online subscribers, is that through like Google Hangouts or Twitch or something else? Uh, yeah, so we just use Livestream.com because they have a pretty robust adaptive streaming. It would be great to have adaptive streaming in HTML5, but we don't have it currently. So Livestream actually uses Flash. And so if your connection dips, you won't actually get disconnected. It'll just lower your quality a little bit. And so Livestream.com really is a super robust solution for that. So we use that with the Livestream kind of, you know, studio here. And then um, we just have like a, a custom Firebase chat next to it. So everybody who's logged in authenticates with, you know, WordPress. We use WordPress on the front end. And then we use Firebase for the chat and Livestream for the actual video feed. Now, if somebody wanted to duplicate this, how would you feel about that? Oh, I'm I'm all for it. Like, I would say that <laughs> the more education, the better. It's just awesome when I see, like, something taking off and e-learning and new experiments. So, yeah, I'm all for it. It's just really difficult to do this format. You know, like, it took us two, two and a half years to figure out the actual process. And so That's it's... That's the yeah. benefit of being a copycat is they just Yeah, you get to out. leverage all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hey, thanks. exactly. Thanks for all that hard work, Mark. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. I I'm already seeing some experiments out there to kind of copycat it, but just I mean, don't call it back end masters. That sounds bad. Yeah. Yeah, just that sound good. Front end wizards. <laughs> front end wizards. Yeah, we tried to launch was it PHP Wizards? We actually had like the whole logo and everything. But yeah, I just decided to stick to front end. 
because that's what so I there's do. There's plenty and, there. Plenty. Yeah, there. it's plenty there. We still have like you can look at our public planning document. It's like there's like 50 topics that we haven't even touched. How so. do you select topics? Okay, so since I have been a user interface developer forever, it's either selfishly I just pick like this is the topic that I really want to learn about. It, that was what it was originally, but now that we have such a large subscriber base, they tell us the topics that we want. We put it into like a poll, and then every year we kind of poll everybody, and that that kind of bubbles up like what are the key topics that people need, like algorithms and data structures. Like that was towards the top, and now we're going to do four days on algorithms and data structures. Actually, we're going to do six. So yeah, focusing on what people are voting on, as well as kind of the combination of my personal interest. Because if I'm not like super hyped about the topic, then I'm not going to be, you know, so hyped about creating a great event. So just have a balance between what people are voting on and what I'm personally excited about. And then also teachers recommending teachers is actually the primary source right now. Um, where people are like, oh, you need to get, you know, this guy from this language or, you know, this framework or whatever, or girl. We have uh, women teachers. They all kill it. So it's really cool to see the topics that, you know, the teachers that other people actually recommend to me. Um, so I'm just like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Sarah Jasmine, really, you, do you it. don't really vet them too much. You just kind of go by recommendations. Yeah, recommendations. And also, have they given at least five workshops before? Because that's what I find like makes something successful is you've at least given it five times. So that's kind of a requirement. So like, uh, even if they're referred to me, I just ask like, how many times have you given this workshop? And if it's less than five, I'm like, well, maybe you should give it once or twice more. And they're always like, yeah, it has some, you know, stuff to iron out. So, um, generally like five times is kind of the baseline. But some people like Jaffer has given it, you know, a hundred times. Uh, to Netflix internally. So he was super excited to come out and give it and he killed it. But yeah, and advanced SVG animation, Sarah Jasner is coming. Like that's super cool topic to me. I don't know that it'll be the most popular topic on our platform, but we can kind of dive into these niche things that I'm personally interested in. So what other uh, topics have you got coming down the pike? Uh, well, we've recorded a ton that are actually in production, like Jaffer, obviously, unit testing with Justin Searles and David Mo- uh, Moser, Chris Mather, Meteor, Henrik came out, Jortig, and he did uh, modern building web, modern web applications with uh, like Webpack and ES6 and React and that kind of stuff, and Ampersand, and then like Scott Moss, he was a Hack Reactor instructor, and now he's at uh, Udacity. So he he did like kind of building a component-tized like Angular application, and then also three days on API design and Node. And then uh, Mike North, Ember, Sarah on SVG animation, Bianca on algorithms and data structures. She's coming back. And uh, Kyle Simpson's going to do another asynchronous programming, kind of his style. So, yeah, it's a pretty good lineup coming up. Do you find that people come on their own accord or do you think there's people who are coming like as part of a group with their company? Uh, yeah, both. So we'll have like companies here, entire, you know, teams coming with like four or five, you know, people from their team. They'll actually come in person or, you know, we'll sell a group ticket, which is a whole organization with like 20 or 30 people online from their organizations. That happens quite often, but most of the time it's, you know, individuals sponsored by a company. And that's how we sell most of the subscriptions as well as the tickets to the workshops. 
It's usually individuals who are interested in a certain topic or a certain set of topics, and then they're sponsored by the company. Now, I looked on your website. I didn't see where to buy tickets for the individual session. Yeah, we over the, the email list. So it is from masters.com slash workshops. You can see you know, some of the upcoming recordings. But yeah, we don't really have it. Like, I don't promote the workshops at all because, like I said, all the money that we actually make comes through subscriptions. So you talked a little bit about your plans for some upcoming topics. What other plans do you have for front-end masters? Is it just kind of keep going with the model that you figured out or are you going to keep trying new things or what? Yeah, I mean, my philosophy is always to try new things. So we're always trying new things internally and we have a cool uh, bunch of cool experiments that we you know, haven't rolled out to everyone yet. But yeah, I mean, we'll always be experimenting with new things. It's just that this format is working really well and it works really well on with our licensing partners. It's making them millions of dollars. So, you know, they want more of the same from both us and, you know, to get on their platform. So we'll definitely scale the existing format, but we'll be playing constantly with new things like always. So part of me is a little bit tempted to do something like this. Of course, I've got 10 million other things going on. So what that probably means is that I won't, but you know, if I wanted to pull something together, maybe in Ruby or in the mobile space or something like that, what's kind of the hardest thing about starting something like this? Control the environment. I mean, really, you have to have a space. You have to have a dedicated space. You have to have equipment, fallbacks for everything in case the live stream goes down. You know, just make sure to have two of everything and, you know, control the space. And then obviously have enough pull. <laughs> have enough pull with the experts in your field to get them to trust you to not only, you know, do the uh, content, but also record it and all that kind of stuff. Because I think people are pretty particular about, you know, their reputation and the way that their videos come out in the final product. So yeah, in my case, I started with friends and they trusted me enough to do it, but <laughs> the early days were kind of rough. <laughs> and the economics of it, I mean, you have to put out a certain amount of money before you even get it recorded to fly yeah. your experts in, to do the marketing, yeah. to get, you know, whatever. Yeah, I rolled out over basically every dollar I got from consulting into this to start it. And it was a painful process. Like I said, it didn't take off until, you know, we started it in end of 2011. And it really didn't, at least the videos didn't start taking off until about 12 to 16 months ago. So it was really like two and a half years where it was really, really hard because we were living off the ticket sales, which, you know, ticket sales are not good to live off of. And now the subscriptions just, you know, far, far, far outpaced anything we've ever done. So it takes a while to build a library that people actually will want to subscribe to. <laughs> so this is a more generic question, but it kind of, I guess it applies to anyone producing content around technology. It seems like there's a tendency for it to go out of date. Like I'm sure you have some stuff on ES6 in five years. People won't care about that. It'll be like ES20 XD6. How do you keep up with things going out of date? Well, in do you our just case, keep building more stuff or, or what? Yeah. I mean, we would build more stuff for sure. We would invite people to speak on the next, you know, the next thing. But the biggest thing is just inviting the right people, you know, the people that, are either creating the framework, writing the books, you know, that are 
on the core team, you know, people who really can kind of see where things are going and say, well, you know, this is the 10, 20% of the library that you should focus on because the rest, you know, we're kind of, it's in flux or whatever, right? You know, just having the right people up on stage is the biggest thing because they kind of know where things are going. They know exactly what you should be focused on um, because they're part of, you know, shaping that technology. And I think that's, you know, a big key to our success and why our content lives so long is because, you know, we invite the people that are actually working on the technology. And when you get into a situation where you have a college kid that's reading some documentation or whatever, you know, they're excited about the technology and that's great. And they're writing about it. That's great. I'm all for education, like I said, but at the same time, they might be covering a feature or a bunch of features that will be deprecated next month. You know, then they have to re rewrite, you know, all those parts of the book again. Whereas somebody who has is closer to the inside a core team member or whatever will kind of see those changes happening and not put out material that's not going to live, you know, for a while. So I think that's a big key to uh, why our content lives so long. So you mentioned a while ago that you get excited when you see other e-learning things going on. Is there any particular examples of other e-learning experiments that you haven't specifically mentioned that excite you or things that nobody is doing yet that the people are talking about doing that you think are exciting? Well, that would give you all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, yeah, I view us as like a mech, right, to the teachers, and I want them to give them the tools. So when I look at, you know, all the, the tools out there, it's like there's parts of code school that are cool. There's parts that I personally don't resonate with, and that's fine. And, you know, stuff like code combat, you know, it's, it's like a game and you're controlling a character. Parts of that are really great. Other parts I don't really resonate with. So it's kind of like, looking at all these different experiments and I, I can't like untrusted is a really cool example of a JavaScript game uh, where I actually went through most of it myself. And it's kind of gears itself more towards intermediate, you know, more advanced kind of content. Those are the kind of experiments I like. Exorcism.io is something that I really like because you can use your own tools. Oh, node school as well. You can use your own tools and kind of author the content and then push it to the tool and you're not timed. There's no time limit. There's no points. There's no concept of like points and, you know, uh, I guess in node school there is badges or something, but yeah, I just, I like that self exploration and getting feedback from other people and exorcism is really cool. So you can like other people can kind of comment on your code and see, you know, so you can kind of iterate on it and that kind of stuff. So I want a, a place where, you know, teachers can author, you know, different types of challenges and different types of content, not just fly out here, but, you know, possibly we'll do screencasts and possibly we'll do, you know, some interactive stuff, but giving really the tools to be able to create alternate formats of content that are covering the same topics is sort of what I'm excited about. Because a lot of it's the same content, right? We just all like to consume it in different ways. Some of us like, you know, the code school style where it's like walks you through some basic thing and then you type it in and kind of follow along and other people like more self-directed stuff like node school or other people like the gamification stuff like uh, code combat so it's i don't know i don't think that one format's going to reach everyone and so we need to figure out ways that our content can live in these different places and reach different people yeah i definitely agree with that one of the things that I saw that I thought was really interesting is when my daughter started doing coding school, there was a book called A Better Way to Learn JavaScript. 
that was paired up with a bunch of online exercises that I thought was really cool. And then I recently encountered these guys that here in Utah are doing a thing called My Tech High, which is a kindergarten through a senior level high school that's specifically devoted to technology. And you could take courses like Minecraft add-on authoring and lots of programming courses and stuff like that. There's just lots of interesting experiments going on yeah. in the e-learning space. and Yeah, it's really it's cool. cool. Yeah. I do want to mention the giveaways that we do. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, Amy, I know you had inquired about getting your user group some licenses. But, yeah, yep. if you run a user group or a conference and you want to give away free, you know, yearly access to your group, definitely reach out at support at frontofmasters.com or mark, M-A-R-C, at frontofmasters.com and just give me a link to, you know, your group and the general size so I can get you some free codes that you can give away at your meetup or conference. So That is very nice of you. Awesome. So I have a question. Let's say I was a professional figure skater and I wanted oh. to get into programming. <laughs> This is becoming a very popular thing. I'm, I'm imagining a school specific to getting professional figure skaters into programming. Once they're, once they're done, you know, they've decided to retire. They've won so many gold medals or so on. You know, is that something that you might want to maybe uh, think about? Maybe a, a branch of front-end masters? Of course. That is like the ultimate joint venture. I think you'd start out with Code.org. There's the game where you play Anna and she's skating and you're, where she goes, it draws little pictures, and you're drawing, like, fractals and things like that. That would be the place to start. I'm going to guess that there is some actual, like, seriousness to that. I think being from, like, a very competitive sport, I don't know. It's hard to tell, like, what came first, like, the person's drive to be good at a competitive sport or if they're so used to being driven in that sport. But I don't know. It's like you, in skating, you peak so young. I'm sure it's like with gymnastics, too, that it's kind of, you know, what do you do for the rest of your life? Yeah, so, there is it, definitely a crossover. If you can be good at one skill, like any kind of sport, if you can be really good, I mean, that crosses over to other areas of your life. I mean, there's so many cases of people who are really great at, you know, one sport um, or one whatever, going into the workplace and just killing it because, you know, they have that drive to learn and succeed. It's amazing to me in the boot camp, seeing all the different people's backgrounds are a ton of musicians. So I think there's also some sort of connection Hmm. there. That's interesting. Yeah, musicians, literature. And they seem to be really good at it. They say, I think I've heard that people tend to think that musicians are make good programmers because they're really good at recognizing patterns. Hmm. So just a thought, something I've heard before. For Anyways. people who are listening may not be getting the context. I this, Last weekend, <laughs> I discovered this other former professional figure skater, Berlin Sohn. She's the girl that we picked, AJ and I, to win yeah. the scholarship for the boot camp. Oh, yeah. So pretty awesome. And I can't decide whose name is cooler, Berlin or Amy Knight. You know, (laughs) both pretty cool names. (laughs) Pretty awesome. I thought it was funny seeing this other professional figure skater who's now developing. So I'm giving Amy Amy a little bit of a teasing, but in all seriousness, I think you're right. This correlation between doing something and being awesome at it and then wanting to do something else and still be, you know, driven to succeed. You know, Joe, yep. I think another 10 years, they'll both have rock bands named after him, so it won't matter. Yeah, really. I mean, how cool is the name Berlin? 
Seriously, yeah, your first name cool. is Berlin. Pretty cool. Very cool. The thing that I want to ask about is just marketing. Like, how do you get the word out about front end masters? Obviously, you are sponsoring awesome podcasts. But what yeah. else are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the general rule of thumb is anything I read, listen to, or watch, I want to be there, right? Because I am the audience. I'm the exact same person as everybody who's basically learning from front of masters, I'm basically the same type of person. So, you know, th that's, that's my general rule of thumb. You know, obviously I love JavaScript Jabber, watch, you know, listen to tons of episodes. So I want to be a primary sponsor there. Newsletters is a big thing. So like JavaScript weekly, node weekly, uh, HTML5 weekly, like these are really, really great publications that Peter Cooper puts out and uh, or one of the early sponsors there. And just it's been really fun because, uh, well, he's actually kicked me out of a few spots because I, I try to take everything. And so I'll take everything he'll give me. So I'll basically just <laughs> sponsor anything Peter, anything Peter Cooper does, I just will sponsor. Um, I love that guy and love everything he does. Yeah. And we're just starting some experiments on buy, sell ads and YouTube and, you know, paid ads. But um, on the unpaid side, obviously, you know, exactly what I said with the meetups, we give free licenses to meetups and conferences all around the world. You know, as soon as they, uh, you know, ask me, you know, I will give away free licenses. So uh, giving away a lot of um, free licenses and those customers eventually come back every year. You know, once the prepaid period comes up, you know, so we're kind of in it for the long run and I don't mind doing giveaways and, you know, trying to, you know, like basically NetMeg, we did like a three month free period or something that was exclusive to their audience. And so just kind of marrying, you know, giveaways and, and offers and stuff like that and giving away like free videos. So we, we have a YouTube channel. We put stuff on there. We put stuff on our website. So if you want to preview any course, you get a full lesson for free, you know, 10, 15 minutes that will be exactly like the content that you'll see in the course. So just trying to put out some free stuff and we'll be doing a lot more of that. Just trying to reach, you know, the type of people that are forward thinkers in front end. The other question I have now looking at this, I mean, you've got a lot of uh, teachers that have done courses on here. How, how do you compensate them? Do you pay them sort of on the Pluralsight model where it's a certain percentage yep. of the traffic or is it so many so much per view or how does that work out? Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly the same. So my philosophy there was uh, like we're not here to innovate on pricing. You know, it's basically, you know, we have the subscription model and then we have however much money we make. Um, we just dice up, you know, based on, like, based on views or how many minutes watched of each course. And then we just kind of cut that based on a percentage to the authors. And so they get royalties monthly, but they also get paid to do, come out and do this. So they get all expenses paid plus, you know, depends on the experience of the instructor, but, you know, at least $3,000 plus all expenses paid to come out. So not only do you get paid a little bit up front, but, you know, you get paid on the royalties. And some of these people, you know, what they started out making three years ago uh, when we launched the platform, they're like, you know, still making more money uh, today on, on the stuff that was recorded in 2011. So we're seeing a lot more repeat teachers because the royalty checks keep growing. And so there's incentive to come back and. You know, it's exactly the, we're exactly the same thing as Pluralsight. That's why Pluralsight's a you know a partner with us in the sense of you know the subscription and royalty model. But we have a very different way of you know actually recording the content, right? And you know a very specific niche that we're trying to fill with front end. 
All right, well, I don't think I have any more questions. Is anyone else? I'm fresh out. Nothing here. All right, well, let's go ahead and do the picks. We're going to take a minute to shout out to our silver sponsors. This episode is sponsored by TrackJS. Let's face it, errors cost you money, you lose customers, server resources, and time to them. Wouldn't it be nice if someone told you how and when they happened so you could fix them before they cost you big time? You may have this on your backend application code, but what about your front-end JavaScript? It's time to check out TrackJS. It tracks errors and usage and helps you find bugs before your customers even report them. Go check them out at trackjs.com slash jsjabber. This episode is sponsored by CodeSchool. CodeSchool is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teach us through entertaining content. They provide immersive video lessons with in-browser challenges, which means that each course has a unique theme and storyline and feels much more like a game. Whether you've been programming for a long time or have only just begun, CodeSchool has something for everyone. You can master Ruby on Rails or JavaScript, as well as Git, HTML, CSS, and iOS. And more than a million people around the world use CodeSchool to improve their development skills by learning or doing. You can sign up at codeschool.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Jameson, do you want to do picks? I do. I have two picks. They're both slightly selfish because they're kind of related to me. The first pick is the videos from React Rally started coming out. And Jessica Kerr's video is the first one that we released about functional principles in React, but it's I think it's broadly applicable enough that even if you don't use React, it's still helpful at seeing how functional programming can help you build UIs in a safer way. Um, so that's a really good talk, and, and I recommend you check it out. My second pick is Mazabrisky and I were kind of like yelling about the term thought leader, and he inspired me to make a Chrome extension that changes the word thought leader to thought haver. Because I think thought leader is a stupid word. So if you want that same experience in your life, you can go to my GitHub, check out Thought Haver, and have more Thought Havers and fewer Thought Leaders. Those are my picks. All right. Amy, do you have some picks for us? Yes. Sorry, I'm still laughing. That's good. So since we're talking about front-end masters, I was going to pick two courses that I did under that I really liked. The first one was Angular one with Chris Rubuki. And then the second one was the Douglas Crockford one. So I had a Pearl site subscription and that's where I was watching those and they're really good. So I'd encourage people to go check those out. And then I'm going to keep trying to do more health related picks. So I think it's either last week or the week before I picked Quest bars. This week I'm doing something called Lara bars. So they're um, good nutritional bars. They're totally paleo. So if you're sitting around at your desk and you want something good for you to eat instead of candy or soda, I would check out bars. And that is it. All right. Joe, do you have some picks for us? Uh, we didn't get Amy's calorie pick because it was an oversight. Oh, God. I did not want to mention that. <laughs> My husband, for our five-year anniversary on Friday, I was in the middle of work at 3 o'clock, and I was actually on a Screen Hero session, and turned around, and there it was a kitten behind me, and my husband was up. <gasps> so, yeah, it was good. That's it, though. Two cats. No more. No more cats. What anniversary was this? It was five-year anniversary. I have a very clean house. It's immaculately so... clean, and we'll have no more kittens, no more cats, <laughs> no more pets. This is it. What he could have done was, like, for the five days leading up to it, every day, just another kitten. Oh, God, no. Yeah. No. 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 Awesome. He listens and to then, the show, right? Then you're a cat lady because they outnumber you. Oh, no. With no, two cats, no. people are just like, oh, you know, oh, okay, they can play together. But with three cats, you know, you start yeah, to become no. that person. Everybody looks yep. at, you know, like, that person with all the cats. 
No, not happening. We have two. And so this new kitten is actually pretty cool. It's not just like a regular old cat. We actually got a Bengal. So he's going to be really, really big one day. So You know what's hilarious is that most of this conversation, with a couple of few exceptions, like this cat is really awesome and stuff like that, I've heard the same conversations had about kids. We aren't having any more kids. No, we're not having any cats. I refuse. I want my house to smell like nice and pretty, not like animals. Yeah. <laughs> and we were having a conversation about whether we wanted to have more kids. Yeah, it's funny. No more cats. They they will have to be put up for adoption if we have any more. Yeah, we actually had three cats in between me and my wife. When we got married, we... We uh, joined our cats together, and we had, like, three of them in the house, and now we started having kids, and then I was like, okay, we have to get rid of one cat per kid that we have. <laughs> and so we found them good homes, and so we're down to one kid, and or one cat and two kids, so. Sounds like a good ratio. Yeah, yep. it's good. Awesome. All right. I'm just going to pick having some time off. I've been pretty wiped out, burned out, whatever. I think I'm heading for something... Um, either emotionally or physically to blow out. And so I took most of the day off. I just wanted to talk to Mark today. So uh, I jumped on this call. And of course, my I hope we don't push you over the edge, Chuck. My shock <laughs> mount's broken. So I didn't want to hold my mic. So that's why I'm on this setup instead. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to pick taking some time off. And uh, to be honest, I think the week after Angular Remote Comp, I'm planning on taking like two days. And I think I'm going to go get a hotel room and just be somewhere really, really quiet. <laughs> so, anyway, th- those are my picks. Joe, did we get your picks? We didn't. Okay, I was going to call on you, and then we got sidelined by cats and kids and cats. You want to give us your picks? All right. Last week, I went and saw the movie The Man from Uncle, and it was awesome. Possibly oh, so good. one of my favorite movies this year. Certainly one of my favorite movies this year. I didn't think a better movie I've seen this year and having a hard time. Great movie. Fantastic. Highly recommended. I also blew a whole bunch of money on the latest Sphero because it's the BB-8 droid from the new Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Which just gets me out to no end. And even though I already have a Sphero, I had to have the BB-8. I'm super excited to get that whenever it happens to arrive and surprise my son with... A Star Wars droid, robotic Star Wars droid, which is going to be too, totally cool. And uh, that's it. Of course, I want to remind everybody that tickets for NGConf uh, are available through the lottery, and there'll be drawings going on, you know, for probably a couple of months. So even if you missed the first drawing on September 22nd, no reason not to register because there'll be other drawings for tickets. And that's it for me. All right, Mark, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so when I'm in my car kind of driving around, the podcast that I reach to other than JavaScript Jabber is the Timothy Ferris podcast because he has interviews all sorts of crazy people like the founder of XPRIZE and these uh, really cool people doing interesting things. So that's kind of what I go to um, as far as podcasts. So definitely check that out. And then I did mention in the show Code Combat and Untrusted. I know that Untrusted has been picked in the past, but it's a really good JavaScript game. You should check it out. Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to follow up with what's going on with Frontend Masters or with Mark, what should they do? It's frontendmasters.com or twitter.com slash frontendmasters. My uh, Twitter handle is 1MARC. So follow me up on that. Tweet at me or whatever. All right. 
I guess we're done. We'll wrap up. We'll catch you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. 